0: This morning, we're going to be continuing the series we started a couple weeks back called Speak Life. You know, there's a certain power that is in what comes out of our mouths. And uh, as I was talking about that, I ran across kind of an interesting story about a young man that was a, uh, that was a clerk in a grocery store, and part of his responsibility was, was stocking the uh, produce, and so he had a lady that came in one day, and as she walked in, she walked up and said, you know what, I, young man, I, I could use your help. And he said, well, how can I help you, ma'am? And, and she said, well, see this head of lettuce right here? She said, I don't need a whole head of lettuce. I need a half a of head of lettuce. Is there any way I can buy just a half head of lettuce? Well, obviously, this is not a question because as cheap as lettuce is by the head, it's not a question this young man had ever had before. And so he began to, you know, discuss with her, well, ma'am, we really don't sell half heads of lettuce. We sell the whole head of lettuce. And so they kind of went back and forth. And, and the more she talked and the more she, he insisted, he was getting a little frustrated. And so he finally, he said, you know what he said? God makes them in whole heads, and that's the way we sell them. But she kept pressing, I've been a customer at this store a long time. I want a half a head of lettuce. So finally he says, well, ma'am, I can go talk to the manager if you want me to. And she said, please do. So he goes and he finds the manager. He says, he goes, sir, I don't know what to tell you. He goes, I have never faced this before. said, we've got a lady here. This lady must be half crazy. She's wanting to buy a half head of lettuce instead of a whole head of lettuce. And he begins to explain the story. But all of a sudden, he soon realizes that the manager's kind of motioning. She's standing right there behind you. And he said, this, this lady, she's, she just wants, it's so ridiculous, she wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. But this other lady here said she'd buy the other half. A little bit later, they left, and he goes back, and, and he begins, the manager pulls him aside and says, you know, man, he goes, that was the quickest thinking on your feet that I have ever seen anybody do. You took a situation that could have been a disaster, and you turned it around on the fly. That's incredible. Where did you learn to do that? He says, oh, I grew up on the streets of Michigan. And he said, you know, the area where I grew up, there's, uh, there's two things that it's known for. The ugly women and the great hockey teams. And the manager stops and says, My wife is from Michigan. And he goes, Which team did she play for? Uh-oh. How many know that we all have those moments, though, that we open our mouth and we say something, and then once it's out there, we're just, Uh oh, I have gotten myself in a pickle. And maybe we're not all that quick to spin it and to turn it in a way to, to kind of wiggle out of the situation. But we face those things in life. There's probably not a single one of us that at some time we haven't found ourselves in that circumstance where we opened our mouth, we talked ourselves into a corner, and we're in trouble. Because we, we, those are the things that we do. Our tongues are so powerful. Our tongues can wound people. Our tongues can inflict injury. We probably all grew up hearing that song, or that little rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words hurt. There's not a single person here that hasn't wounded somebody with the words, and there's not a single person here that hasn't been wounded by somebody's words. It happens. We live in a world of reality. And today we live in a time where where words are hurled in different directions. We live in a time where there's so much going on. I never thought, I never thought I would live in a time or see a time where there was such animosity and words being thrown in different directions. I never thought I would live in a time that we'd be talking about having to put metal detectors in schools. I never thought we'd live in a time that even some churches are talking about putting metal detectors in churches. But let's face it: there are weapons that are out there, but not every weapon can be found and discovered and exposed by a metal detector. We actually have some people in this church, believe it or not, that are that are black belts. They're lethal weapons, and they're not made out of metal. They may think they're men of steel, but they're not made out of weapon, out of metal, right? But they're weapons. But in reality, when every one of us walked in the door this morning, we brought a weapon in with us. We brought something that can hurt, that can kill, that can d- destroy. And it's amazing that, it's, that it all boils down to, it's just this tiny muscle in our bodies. It's called the tongue. And James talks about the tongue. Now, I know that we've been talking about speaking life as in prophesying over things and and speaking that these bones can live and speaking restoration and all those things. And we talked about how Proverbs it says that there is the power of life and death in the tongue. But this morning we're going to back up a little bit. We're going to explore this idea of the tongue. James talks about it in James chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. He says this. He says, but no man... No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. This is a powerful muscle that God's put in our lives. Think about the power that this one little thing in the body has. It has the power to tell us the instant. A lot of us are going to leave today, and we're going to go and have lunch, and it has the power to tell us instantly whether or not that food is good or it's not good. Right? It is kind of the gate as to what goes in and passes through. You know, we've all had those things that you get a little taste, you're like, oh, yeah, more please. And we also have those things that, uh-uh, it's not going past this point. matter of fact, I'm spitting it out, right? So it has a power. It also has a power to be a deadly poison. We've probably all had some time. Have you ever been in a place or a room or something's happening, and there's kind of this joyous spirit, and everything's up, and people are kind of having a good time, and somebody can utter a few wrong words, and all of a sudden the joy is just sucked out of the room? There's a power. It can curse those. I mean, think of this. It has the power to change the atmosphere. You know why we had such great worship today? Because we were all in one accord. We were all lifting up his name. We were exalting his name together. We were singing of the glory of God. We were celebrating who he is. But yet the scripture says it all has this, that same tongue that just glorified him has the same power to attack the person sitting next to you. And what did he say? He said, that shouldn't be. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Let's look at James 3 through 5. As James begins to break this down, it's such a powerful passage of Scripture. I'll be honest with you, this week, this was not the direction I was headed. Now, I want you to know up front, I'm not dealing with any underlying main issues. There's nobody here that, that this is aimed at. And so, if it happens to hit you square between the eyes, it was not, I uh, don't have a scope. I'm not aiming directly at you. I didn't sit here and write this message with your, with your face in the back of my mind. But how many know there's a power in all of us digesting this stuff? Because there's a power. Verse 3 through 5. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Whenever the will, Wherever the will of the pilot directs, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. NIV says, by such a small spark. So I'm giving today's message the title, The Spark of Life. Because there's power in the tongue. Matter of fact, here's my main thought for today. Our tongues are a spark igniting the fires of revival or the flames of destruction. There is power in the tongue. It can ignite things. It can, it can literally help start the fires of revival or it can speak flames of destruction into somebody else's life. I begin to process Is The first thought that I had to, that came to my mind is you know what, part of what James is saying here is that our tongues, it's this muscle, but it really is kind of a coarse muscle. It sits the course for life. I mean, think about it, we got all kinds of muscles. We got biceps for lifting, we got calf muscles, we got all these muscles, but really our tongue is kind of the coarse muscle. It, it dictates the direction of our life. Many times it can dictate directions of somebody else's life. It's the rudder, he says. So, which way is your rudder pointed? See, so think about it. I mean, the picture. No matter how large the ship, is controlled by a small rudder. No matter how deep the submarine dives, is controlled by a small rudder. No matter how high an airplane flies or soars, is controlled by a rudder. There is something about the tongue. The tongue is powerful. The tongue can destroy. The tongue can give words of life. You know what I believe? and I believe this with all my heart. We see so much going on in the world today. We see things happening that we never would have thought we'd see. And I really believe it to a large degree. A lot of it can be pulled back to the tongue. I believe it's because we have people growing up and all they've ever heard their whole life if they've heard anything is how useless they are. That they're an accident. That they've grown up their whole life never had having heard the words from somebody that's an influence in their life, I love you. You're important. God has a great plan for your future. In the absence of those things, so many people live their lives in the vacuum of those words of life being spoke over them. They think it's all useless. They think there's no purpose. They really believe the things that have been spoken over them that aren't good. You know, we hear all this talk today about Inequality. And it's always talked about inequality of money and funds and all that. You know what? There's always going to be that. But to me, the most tragic inequality is there are those that grow up in a home where love is spoke over them, purposes spoke over them correction is spoke over them when it's needed in a right balance and they grow up in that atmosphere and they're solid and they're strong and there are those that have none of that and that's probably where most of the tragedies come from in my opinion is they grow up in this vacuum and they don't know who and what they can be verse 2 James 3 says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's the perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. How many perfect people do we have here this morning? None of us. We all have times that we don't control our tongue correctly. And that tongue's hard to control. You ever played the game? You ever playing the game when a kid would try to grab your tongue and hold it? And it just, man, it's, it's a slippery thing. And James is making the connection here that that thing is connected to our whole body and that sins are committed by that, affect our whole body. And we can back up and we go to that and say, that's ridiculous, but he's telling the truth. Words have power. Matter of fact, during World War II, there was a saying that was put on posters all over the place. And it said this, loose lips sink ships. Now that's not a terminology we use that much anymore but man that's dead on That's I mean loose lips can destroy lives loose lips can sink someone's future loose lips can can do damage loose lips can cause us to abort a newborn Christian Years ago I'm not going to say what church is a part of but it was i was just stepping in to ministry i was just beginning to think about the idea of getting credentials and we were asked to step in and and run that church's children's ministry and it was kind of neat i thought man what a what a cool thing you know and it was just an honor to be asked to serve and so I began working on that and began doing some things, and, and God blessed at the beginning, and we began to see some, we were in this small church, and we were running 35, 40 kids on a Sunday morning. God was blessing. Things were happening. We began to pull in some volunteers, and I'll never forget, I went to talk to the pastor because there was somebody that uh, that I wanted to plug into that ministry to help us, and everything looked good on the on the surface. And so as I'm talking to him, he says, well, he says, "I want you to be careful." He goes, "cause I don't think they're quite ready to serve that." And he just kind of gave me not every detail, but gave me a little bit of insight of some things that were going on in their lives. and said, "It's just best that you kind of let that sit for a little bit, and as they grow a little more spiritually, then maybe be a time to bring them in that ministry." I was like, "Got it." So I didn't approach the person. A little bit later, I don't know, was a week or two went by, and the pastor calls me into his office and say, and he begins to chew me out in a loving way but gently I mean pretty firmly and he began to say you know what he goes when I tell you something it's in confidence and you can lose—you know, kind of the loose lip sh- sink ships thing <clears throat> and he began to say what I told you in confidence that day is now out among the church and it is literally about to run this person off when God was doing a work in their life and I was just shocked I was like, well, Pastor, I didn't I didn't say anything to anybody. I mean, I didn't even tell Kim. I just said there were some things that going on in this person's life that we don't we need to put a hold on this. And I was just lost. I was lost words. I was like, Pastor, I promise you, I didn't do it. Come to find out a few weeks later where his office was situated. He had a door that came in through the uh, church secretary's office, and he had a rear door that was in a hallway. And a short time after that, the church secretary was caught that when people, sometimes people would come in for counseling, she was slipping around and putting her ear against the back door and listening to what was being said and was sharing with certain people things that were going on in people's lives. her tongue destroyed the life of somebody that was headed down the right path. We have to be so careful. So careful, because loose lips sink ships. See, our tongue is that spark that can ignite revival, or it can spark a fire that destroys lives. He talks about it being both the bit and the rudder. And one of the things that he says is that it that it has to be under control of a strong hand. You know, there's not one of us that doesn't have an out-of-control tongue at times. You know, I was thinking about this. For a voluntary muscle, that sure seems to have a mind of its own an awful lot. We struggle to control it. We struggle to keep it under control. And at times, we've all let something slip that we can't take back and we, and we face that but, there's, but how can we? Because it says no man can tame the tongue. Well, Psalms 141.3 says this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Man, talk about... Powerful words. See, the truth is, in those moments of unguarded speech is where we find out what's really down inside. So I want us to look at for a second as I kind of walk that point out just a little bit. Matthew chapter 12 starting at verse 33. Jesus is having a discussion with the Pharisees. I know mean, those always I mean it's a tough encounter but I always kind of love the discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees. I mean talk about giving them what for. I mean he does. You ever notice how how lovingly Jesus spoke with people that knew they were sinners and how direct in the face he was with those that thought they had it together but were really hypocrites. And so he's having this conversation with the Pharisees and he says this. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers you dirty belly crawling snakes. How dare you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be judged, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's be honest. If it comes out of your mouth, it's because it's down in here somewhere. Let that sink in for a moment. If it passes your lips and comes out of your mouth, its root is down inside here somewhere. We don't like to think about that. We don't like to talk about it. We want to say, well, I just got mad and it slipped out. Well, it slipped out because it's down in there somewhere. That's harsh, isn't it? That's a sobering thought, but it's the truth. Because if it's not in there, it doesn't come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, I really knew, I... I, for years, I've been a Christian for a long time. But I worked road construction for a period of time when we first got married and before we got married. Hot labor. And you you can—you get the picture if you worked in any construction, the kind of people that I worked around. And so that was always just a little bit of a battle for me. You know, every now and then there'll be something come out that shouldn't come out. And I'll never forget one day when finally... There was something that happened, and I kind of got laughed at, but I thought it was a huge moment. There was some stuff that had happened, and I just went, that ticks me off. They're like, oh, woo, tick, you know. But for me, I was like, you know what? This is cool. It's not even in there anymore. Isn't that such a wonderful thought to think that we can reach the point that there's such... Purity of heart that God has done such a work that the junk is not even in there anymore to come out of our mouths. Let's look at, think of this Proverbs. I got a few passages. I'll read in Proverbs real quick. Proverbs 15:1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. It's not wimpy to be soft. Sometimes it takes more strength to be soft. Than it does to throw something out. Proverbs twelve twenty two: Lying lips are abomination. You know what the word abomination means eyesore. I don't know about you, I don't want to be an eyesore to God. An abomination to the Lord. For those who act faithfully are His delight. I'd much rather be a delight than an eyesore. Just saying. Proverbs ten nineteen. <laughs> this gets us all. When words are many, transgressions are not lacking. But whoever strains his lips is prudent. Now, for someone that spends a lot of times talking for a living, I'm like, my words sometimes are many. It just means there's a higher chance that we're going to say something we're not supposed to, right? But for such a small muscle, it's amazing that this rudder not only just affects our lives, it affects those around us. Because once words words are said, they can't be taken back. Oh, we can go back and we apologize. We can say, I'm sorry. We can say, I didn't mean to say it. We can do all those things. But once it's out there, it's out there. And especially if somebody else picks it up and repeats it, even though you go back and you say something, that fire's already started. So let your desired destination determine your speech, not your speech determine your destination. I don't know about you, but I choose to let Christ dominate my heart. It's a decision that I've made, a course I've set, a purpose that I'm working on. Because it's my goal, especially the more this has got down in my spirit, my goal is to speak life wherever I go. To speak blessing, not curse. Because we live in a world that, that is so rare. So let's talk about the dark side of this thing for a moment. Call it blazing the course Trail. How many know that our tongues can throw out stuff that is rough? Our tongues can for, throw out things that are, that are coarse, that are, that are abrasive. Blazing the coarse trail. How many know that uh, years ago, there was a deal. There was, I remember watching this when I was a kid. There used to be a little bear that would come on TV on the commercial. And I, I, know, I still, to this day, remember the voice. Only you can prevent forest fires. Smokey the bear. Isn't it interesting that James kind of refers, in a sense, to that? Verse 5 and 6. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, sitting on fire the entire course of life, and sit on fire by hell. Whoo! That's tough stuff. But what's he saying? He's saying that, that as we speak, that even that small spark... It's a forest ablaze. Even that small spark can consume the entire course of a life. That's why we have to be so careful in what we say. It is so easy to destroy somebody else that God has a plan and purpose because we couldn't control our tongue. I was thinking about the spark in the forest fire and i did a little research anybody ever heard of the the famous chicago fire that basically destroyed the city back in 1871 the fire was reportedly started in the o'leary barn in chicago at 8 30 p.m on october in october of 1871 small spark left unattended it spread and caused fire and that one fire left over 100,000 people homeless 17,500 buildings were destroyed 300 people died the property damage was estimated at 400 million dollars and that was in 1871 prices That's a lot of damage. And if you're looking at it, James is saying that the spark of the tongue can cause that much damage. Wow. It's a lot of damage. You know, we live in a day and a time where the wagging of the tongue just seems that there's no restraints. Social media, with all the stuff that's available to us, can be such a wonderful thing, but yet lives have been destroyed because in this day and time, you can be guilty by accusation. There has to be no proof. You get enough people saying it, and it must be true. Lives, careers, marriages, all kinds of things have been destroyed without there being any evidence of any wrongdoing whatsoever. Because our words can spread like a fire, and probably today more than ever at any time in history. Because even if you put it up and you take it down, it's too late. It's already out there. Proverbs 26, 20 through 21 says this, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Have you ever seen that person? I'm asking the question, but I know we all have. Well, on the surface, they kind of seem wholesome and having together, but everywhere they go, some, somehow stuff constantly stays stirred up. You ever seen that person? They just, I mean, just stuff just seems to follow them around. And you might, if you talk to them, you might hear, some, hear them say something like, well, I don't know why this stuff follows me around everywhere I go. I can't figure out why the malcontents all want to come talk to me and unload their problems and their gossip and stuff. Well, there's a reason for that. Years ago, I'll never forget this. I had a, a and not here, not anywhere even remotely close to here, but I had a missionettes director. Then on the surface, I mean, the program was going well. There's a lot of things, but there just always seemed to be stuff stirred up. There's always seemed to be stuff that was happening. And, And one day she came in and sat down, and we were talking through some of the problems. And the more the more she talked, I was like, Oh, here's where this stuff is coming from. And she made these very statements to me in that conversation. She goes, I don't know why this stuff follows me around. I can't figure out why all these people want to bring their problems and their stuff to me. I didn't. I handled it in a more correct way. But everything inside of me wants to say, ooh, ooh, I know, I know. It's because your tongue has a nickname, Sparky. It's because you entertain these things and you don't put them down when they arise. It's because your mouth has this disease called the yeah, but syndrome. The greatest thing that happened happen that everybody else is celebrating is this huge win. And there's always this yeah, but. See what I'm saying? There are people, you know, when somebody comes to you with something that's inappropriate. And it's talking about somebody else, whether they're a believer or a non-believer. You should instantly put that stuff down and say, this is not the place to share that. I don't know what you think traction you're going to get here, but it ain't happening. And if you really have an issue with that person, scripturally, go talk to them. And if you're talking to other people about this, there's a word for that. It's called cancer. You know, in our name, we shouldn't be known as Sparky. We should entertain things. We should shut it down. And man, you know what? There are times we need to celebrate wins. We can always point to the yeah buts. But sometimes we need to stop and say, this was a win. We'll sit down at some other point. We'll look at the things we can do better next time. But this was a win, and we're going to celebrate it, and we're going to be excited about it. Don't be the person that sucks the joy out of the room by saying, Yeah, but... So those things. Have you ever had that moment, though, that you. I mean, there's been times that we've had great service. I'm like, man, people got saved this morning and all this stuff happened. Man, God was so good today. And then somewhere along the line, I get the phone call, yeah, but. See, a person's entire life can be injured by a coarse tongue. Can I say this? Ministries have been destroyed. by a tongue yes there are personalities and there ministries that on the surface I look at them like I don't I just don't like the way they do that I don't like the way they carry themselves everything in me kind of has some alarm bells but I don't know every detail the thing I always look at is are they preaching Christ and him crucified and the only way to heaven and if there's Other than that, I don't know the details, so I am very careful as to how I criticize somebody else because the words I say out of my mouth could could lead to destruction of a ministry or changing somebody else's heart that that ministry could highly impact in a positive manner. As I said, newborn Jesus followers have been aborted by careless words. Churches have been ripped apart by careless words. Colossians four six. Let your speech always be gracious, season with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, the, he says not only is it a fire; he says it's a dangerous animal. You know, here's the good news: we're shifting now from the rough part to the good news. All right, you ready? The flip side of that is yes. Our tongues can be like a wild animal, but guess what? Wild animals can be tamed, and when a wild animal is tamed, it goes from being a danger to a hardworking machine. Oxen can be dangerous, but when they're tamed and they're strapped up to a plow, they can accomplish so much. Fire can be dangerous, but when it's harnessed and it Harness that it's under control. It can provide energy. It can provide heat. And no, the tongue cannot be tamed by man. But here's the good news. It can be tamed by God. Think of the apostles on the day of Pentecost. God lit the fire and God controlled the tongue. It can be done. Yeah, I don't have any... Theological explanation. This has always kind of been one of my things. To me, part of one of the reasons that tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because if God has control of the tongue, then that's pretty much a pretty good outward sign that, hey, he's got control of the whole thing. So, my last point is this who's got your tongue? What's down deep in that well? Verse 9 through 12. With it, we bless the Lord our Father. With it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. does a spring forth does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let me know that we're supposed to be springs of living water. Our tongues should be ready to speak life into any situation. He says, Blessing and cursing shouldn't come from, from the same tongue. Now, I'm not saying anybody here is guilty of it, but I think we've all seen those situations where somebody can be in God's presence, they can be in His sanctuary, they're glorifying their Creator in the midst of a service only to turn around and curse somebody that is sitting next to them with their same tongue. He's saying, that shouldn't be. See, there's a, Something about fresh water. We went to Cuba a few years back. What an incredible trip. What a blessing. I mean, there was about 10 of us that got to go, and we went into to this, behind this communist wall country, and we got to help be a part of building a church, and we got to do so much, and God used it. It was such a cool, one of, one of the most memorable trips I've ever taken in my life. It was wonderful. But I, I'll never forget, we went one of the days, we kind of took a half a day, and we went kind of around, and we went out into the country outside of the city, of the, the town that we were in, and went in, out in the country, and there was this young couple that was there, and, and they had a couple of kids, and, and, and I know that Mitzi will remember this, and, and there was this couple that were there, and they're trying to get this little church started out there on the outskirts of town. Dirt road. I mean, we were headed there. I was like, where in the world are we going? And they had this little house, and then next to the house was their, their little makeshift church, and it was basically built of, of kind of bundled sticks together and stuff. wasn't much to it. I mean, it was, it was upright, but it was kind of this way. It had a makeshift roof with some, with some branches and straw and stuff trying to make the roof in place. It didn't have It didn't have a roof covering. It was really a holy roof. And they had these little rough wooden benches and a little makeshift podium standing there, but they were trying their best to get this church established there. And as we began to talk to them, we heard that out there where they were at, you know, there you're totally dependent on the government. I'm just going to say this. I know it's getting a little political, but if you're to the place that you're thinking the government's going to give everything for you, ain't going to happen. so they were there and they were dependent on the water that was brought by to them and they were talking about literally what their water ration was for the whole family like my goodness I waste more than that brushing my teeth this was the situation that they were in. And we were thinking, man, what can we do? We talked about literally for weeks after we got back and even talked to people there, how and the missionary we were connected to, how can we, is there some way we can buy the equipment and send it in and they can have a, we'll even come back and help them dig a well and do what they need to do so they have some supply of good water. The problem is there's such a tight control over that nation, there was no way we could figure out. They said even if you send the equipment, whether you try to send the money or whatever, it will not make it to where you want it to go. but it just brought to the reality the idea of not having enough fresh water. We have people all over that they're just dying of thirst for somebody to speak life. He uses the terminology of salt, water. You know why people die faster if they drink ocean water? Water because of all the salt and stuff in it your body literally has to expel more moisture to rid it of the salt and all the excess minerals than you're taking in and so it literally causes you to dehydrate faster than if you'd just gone without and people die over 70 percent of the water on this planet is undrinkable And this is what people are living in spiritually all around us. They're living in a place where everything that is available for them to drink, that the world says this is what's for them, is stuff that is poison to their bodies, to their spirit. And we're the ones that has the power to speak life into that situation. So what's in your well? Real quickly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but James also compares the tongue to a tree. Trees are powerful. They turn carbon dioxide into oxygen. They provide shelter. They provide food. The presence of the fruit of the Spirit in our speech can feed a hungry soul. We need to what comes out of our mouths needs to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Proverbs ten twenty-one. Fits perfectly. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Do you know your lips had the power to feed people spiritually? There are so many things. I'm going to wrap this up. Our tongue can be such a troublemaker, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a blessing. It can be something that lifts people up. It can be something that exalts them. It can be something that sparks revival. From church-wide to an individual life, there's somebody's path you may cross that all they've ever heard is how horrible, how useless, that they were an accident, that there's that their life doesn't mean anything, that they mess up everything they ever touch in their lives, and that's is all they hear all the time. And your words of saying, I love you, I care for you, you're important, God has a plan for your life can be the most life giving words they've ever heard it can spark a revival in an individual if we yield and say Lord I want you to be in control if there's anything in here that doesn't belong cleanse it out of me help me to see the others around me through your eyes. Because it's so easy when people attack us for us to ball and attack back. And it may make you feel better for a moment, but there may be a better way you can say something that speaks life to them. Maybe instead of attacking, maybe you pray for them. You may not even really want them in heaven. <laughs> but We're still supposed to pray for them. Lord, you can put them over there on the other side. No, I'm just kidding. But how he knows, that's what we're supposed to do. Speak life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes from when I know that I've been about big, bold altar calls over the last few weeks, but I was really thinking about this and praying about this, and I don't know that this is a come-down-front thing. This is more of us, each of us examining our own heart and our own spirit and our own mind and just saying, Lord, are there times that I'm guilty of that? Is there times that I've Spoke death over circumstances that I could have spoke life, If I condemned somebody that I could have prayed for. Is there some way I could be that light and speak life over them? is there something that's coming out that's deep inside of me that 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 as i think about this there's still some stuff in there that that hasn't been set right there's still stuff that comes out of my mouth sometimes that that just that, that i need to give to god for him to redeem and to transform and that's just such a personal thing so i don't want anybody looking around or anything but i just want to know if you would just Simply say this, that this today has spoken to my heart and I really want to commit everything I am to Christ all the way down to my tongue. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? That's you, hands all over, hands all over. I want to pray for you this morning. But mostly, I want you to ask God to come in and begin to transform you from the inside out. Father, Lord, you see each person that is here. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord God, that, that, that Lord, you're trying to get us all cleansed up cleansed up. Lord, there's not a one of us, Lord, that don't in some way fall into this category. It's such an easy thing to fall into. And Lord, I ask you today to begin to speak to us all. I ask you for you to reach in and to set us right. Let us look, let this be something that is so down in our hearts and in our spirits that as we walk through this thing we call life, that we will walk through it with the idea that in whatever circumstance i'm in i'm going to speak life into that situation even when something on the inside of me wants me to wants to bow up and and response respond to anger with anger but lord help me to just respond to you in the fashion that you would have me to respond and that your that my words would be true and right they'd be seasoned with salt that i speak life into a circumstance And Lord, that I bless those that curse me, that I oppress, that I pray for those that persecute me. Lord, let us be a people of life and peace. And Lord, let us all truly reach out and bless those and help bring other people in to know you and your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for it. I ask you bless each person. I pray that you bring us all back together tonight, Lord, for, for those that can make it, for us to pray and just spend time in your presence. And Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.